This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Welcome to I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We're on the air to help you understand that your workplace, it's your mission field, and that the work you do each and every day is a gift from God, and that God wants to join you in that work today. We are your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. That's right, Jim. And you know what? We are thrilled that it's Friday. Um, I hope people have had a good week. I know it's been a very busy week, but we learned this week earlier on a show when we were on location at Office Pride that, you know, busy isn't the way we want to be able to describe our days, but rather productive. Productive. So I woke up this morning just praying, Lord, help me to be productive today so I can end my week on a good note and feel not just busy. You know, I got a text from somebody yesterday going, busy is good, because I was like, you know, had all these back-to-back things yesterday. (laughs) But ultimately, productive is even better. <laughs> Productive is better. All right. So I want to just, let's just talk for a minute, Martha, about the I Work For Him Nation. Okay. Uh, yesterday when we were on the air with a couple of other radio shows, we, we brought attention to it. I thought we should really draw attention to it again to our listener audience. You know, the I Work For Him Nation covenant really came out of a journey that I went through um, as I drove those 90 miles to work during the late 2000s. And, and it was really all about God just transforming my heart and how I looked at the workplace. And so the I Work For Him Nation Covenant is something we invite every listener, go out to iWorkForHim.com, iWork, the number for Him.com, and click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. Yeah, it'll pop up. It'll pop up. So when they go out there, it pops up, right? Every time? Well, unless they, I think that if they frequent the website, it stops popping up on them. So it doesn't, you know, annoy them. If not, it's really a fun flag. If you've never gone there before, for sure you will see it. And if you join the iWorkRam Nation and make that covenant, and this is not a club, you're not paying for something, but this this is something that really comes from our heart. It's a covenant between you and God on how to transform your workplace. And when you join that, you're going to get a quick email that's an automatic email with a copy of the covenant, but then you're going to get a personalized email from me, as well as a gift in the mail from Martha. That's right. So we just want them to have something, you know, like you said, it has the covenant, they can print it out and they can pin that up somewhere and say, and it has a place for you to sign it and really make that commitment personal. So let's talk about what the I Work For Him Nation covenant is. And I'm talking the I Work For Him Nation covenant. So as you're listening today, I know many of you are driving, but some of you are listening to the podcast later on. This is what it is. It starts off with, you want to be, you want to make an impact in your workplace. You really want to start recognizing it as a mission field. Here's some of the steps that you could take is this is what God used in my life. Mm -hmm. So I imagine if God used it in my life, he can use it in your life, but it starts with prayer. It's an amazing thing. Just start praying for the people that you work alongside each and every day by name. And then use that to then start in conversations with them and say, hey, you know, I was praying for you. Or you can find out what their, if they have a spouse, what their spouse's name is. And if they have children, what their children's names are. And, and so you start just praying for, for them by name each and every day. Then you look for ways to serve them over and above what your job requires you to do. Then you look for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace. Why? Because we need to have relationships with the people that we work with, not just work relationships, but Outside relationships. Now, if you're a single guy, I'm not telling you to go uh, invite the you know the lady in the cubicle next door to you who is a single lady over to your house at part of the I Work For Him covenant. This is not a dating covenant. This is a get to know the people around you covenant and share your life with them. So maybe you've got three or four friends and you're all single at work. That's fine. Go all out to have, have a bite to eat somewhere or something like that. But the idea is to befriend people and get to know them outside of work. And then... 
The fourth step is learning to pray with people when you notice they're having a rough day. Martha, I mean, how does that work? Well, you know, one of the things as as you're walking through this process and you're building relationships with people, it's easy for you to see how um, their life can maybe have a bad day. Yeah, because you can see it on their face. You can. You just, you know them enough. You've gotten to um, be familiar with their um, responses and personality, and you can tell when something's going on. And so it's just that opportunity to say, hey, you're not on top of your game, or I can tell something's bothering you, something's on your mind. What's going on? And then ultimately, hey, can I pray with you about it? Well, and what's fun? Okay, so you go up to somebody and say, um, well, how are you doing? Well, and then they usually say, what, Martha? Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. So when you're fine, and I respond, what? Are you freaked out? I'm rolling out? my eyes right now. You are? Okay. Are you freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? And they look at it like, what? And I'm like, well, you said you were fine. But most of the time, that doesn't mean people are fine. I really want to know, how are you doing? And a lot of times, that's all you have to do is just ask a second time. And then when they share, so just shut up then after you ask that question, which I know that's tough for me to do. Martha's looking at me like, are you going to be done here soon? Um, maybe you're not thinking that, but what are you thinking? I'm just letting you okay. talk. So after you're, after you're done listening, then say, well, can I pray with you about that right now? Mm-hmm. And then I've never had anybody say no. And... After that, the the last part of the covenant is being a person of excellence. As a Christ follower, we should be the number one person in our workplace. You know, and and you, somebody might say, well, why, why does it matter that I'm excellent at what I do? And ultimately we just are um, to be a reflection of what Jesus Christ is in our life. And one of the things is, is not being, for instance, lazy on the job or doing sloppy work or taking too long of a break or coming in late for work and leaving early, you know, there's a time for those things when maybe there's, you haven't, um, you know, you got a flat tire and you didn't know that that was happening, but you can get up early enough to make sure you're at work on time and things like that, that just reflect good work ethics. And that ethic ultimately relays to your relationship with Jesus Christ because he is in charge of your life and we are to live by biblical principles and the Bible is full of those principles, Jim. And so just sure really is. how you do, you, you know, compact it all down. It's working with excellence in this conversation because it's, it's reflecting those things of integrity and truth and, and um, not being a slaggard. Sl- what is sluggard? it? A sluggard. <laughs> Not a word we use well, it every day. Don't sluggard. slack off. Okay. All right. So here's uh, what well, we just, we're inviting you to join the I work for him nation, not because it benefits us, but it puts us in touch with you. So yet we can do some email and back and forth to encourage you. Uh, but it's just to encourage you. I mean, you sign this covenant, you print it out and you put it up by your desk or but in your, in your truck, if you're driving a truck or, or wherever you are, just in order to, um, remind you that, hey, that you're going to be different. As a Jesus follower, your workplace is going to be different because Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this is part of changing the way we think. Our work should be radically transformed by our lives, which have been radically transformed by Jesus. You know, and I just want to encourage our listeners as they're contemplating this and hearing this idea, maybe for the very first time, I want to encourage you, although we want you to very much take it seriously, don't overthink it. Just it's this whole idea of 
is this something that Jesus would want me to do? Is it is it going to be good for my personal spiritual journey to have this focus? And um, we believe it is, or we wouldn't have it out there. And we just want to encourage you to take a moment, go to iworkforhim.com, join the nation, and then let the real change start happening when you start implementing things like this prayer into your daily life. We've got ama- we've gotten amazing stories from all over the world of people that have made this covenant and started walking with it and just had a guy from Seminole, Florida join us the other day. I mean, it's uh, we often get people almost like one a day joining, and it's so exciting to see people uh, to do that. So go to iworkforhim.com, iwork, the number four, him.com, and join the I Work For Him Nation and just start transforming your workplace today. All right. So a question. Um, here, here it is. You share a work area with someone who's extremely messy. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. I didn't, didn't have time for a question from a caller today, but I wanted to just deal with this. What do we do with, what, and let's just say you're extremely retentive like Martha and I, and we like everything in its place. Everything is neat. When we're done at the end of the day, our desks look perfect. What do you do when you share a workspace with somebody who's messy? Let's just say that you're an air conditioning repair person. You share a, a van with somebody who takes everything and throws it up on their dashboard. We have a really good friend who has more papers on his dashboard than he does in his printer. And what do you do with that? How do you deal with that? I think for me, the thing that comes to mind just real quickly is that um, we need to honor those relationships and be honest and say, you know what, it's really hard for me to function in this environment if it's really affecting you. If it's their space, it's their deal. Put up a wall, put up something to blind you from it if it doesn't really affect you. But if it affects your productivity and you doing your job, then you have to have a conversation about it. And then you got to figure out somewhere to compromise, Jim, because they're not immediately just going to become like you. No, they're not, but you can start cleaning your space and set a good example, and sometimes you have to clean up after other people if it's driving you nuts. You're listening to I Work For Him as we broadcast to you across the I Work For Him nation as the voice of the faith and faith and work movement. You always think about that in the middle of the night. What if, it be, uh, if I said that wrong every day and I just said face, which is what I was thinking, but it's the faith and work movement. We are on the air. Martha and I are on the air to help all of us just to understand the significance of our workplace being our mission field. We are so glad that you tuned into I Work For Him today. Just understand, your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the work that you do, none of that is by chance. The work that you do, that's been given to you by God and, and it's not by chance because there's people that you need to work, that you need to live out your faith alongside that need to meet Jesus. And you may be their only chance. Yes, that didn't rhyme like I normally do it. But the point of it, Martha, is that our work is really significant to God, isn't it? It really is. And, um, you know, one of the things is that we work really hard to not live in regret for where we've come from and maybe not understanding this early enough in life, but hoping that through our conversations with all of the amazing people that we've covered um, in the last six and a half years, that we um, are able to just shed some light and help our listeners, you guys, the ones tuning in, whether you're on radio, podcast, um, streaming on the web, whatever you're doing, that you are living um, knowing that God created you a very specific way with a very specific task on hand and to make sure that you know 
that your work does matter. And um, so, Jim, that's just at the heart of everything that we um, talk about is how important it is to understand that um, we are called to the workplace. And that workplace can be a lot of different things. Yesterday, we talked about it being education. And with school being back in session um, and or starting back, you know, a lot of colleges, I had a friend who dropped off their son at college today, and it's, it's a really big deal. And some people are starting kindergarten or even preschool um, to realize that that is the children's workplace right now and to really recognize it as that. But that same mentality is what we need to carry into our workplace every day to understand that our work really, um, to be there intentionally, to connect with people intentionally and to connect with those relationships that God might have us there for such a time as this, to be able to um, feed truth into those people. You know what's fun, Martha? The, the last what couple is of, fun? What's fun? I'll tell you what's fun. Work is fun. When it's given by God, work is fun. And there is so much that we miss when we don't recognize that our work comes from God. But, but as I've, you know, we got to do some interviews yesterday across the country and we had some with some points we really want to make sure people knew on those other shows. We did an interview with Oz Hillman on his podcast uh, on Marketplace Leaders. And we did an interview with Don Hawkins on his broadcast, which is Encouragement Today. Today. And these are some of the things we really want to make sure that we had. You know, the truth is that, that there's so much, there's a lot of lies out there about living out our faith and our work. And, and here's some of the lies that we've seen perpetuated. We want to make sure people understand this, that some of the lies that have been perpetuated upon uh, the body of Christ, that there's two tiers in the kingdom, that there's the... Um, uh, Wait, so the lie is that the lie is that there's tiers. two tiers. <laughs> okay. Right. The lie is that there's what two tiers. What are those two tiers? Well, that there's like the, the sacred people that have jobs like pastor and missionary, and then there's the secular people. And so there's really important jobs and there's everybody else. Well, that's a lie. Because in uh, Colossians 3.23, Paul writes that we're all serving the Lord in what we do and everything that we do. Uh, and we just need to, that's really important to understand that, it, that it's not true that you need to quit your job in order to go into ministry. In fact, you just need to quit your mindset thinking that you need to go and get into ministry because you are. You have an opportunity when you Leave church on Sunday. Everywhere you go, there's an opportunity for ministry. Okay, so let's switch that around because you know me. I don't like <clears throat> well, I did conversations a glass half, I did a glass half empty about thing. the lies. So what I want to just do is just switch it around just a little bit and say, okay, what? why do we believe that? Or why do we even make that separation? Why is it important to understand why we believe it? Well, We've been taught it. No, what is it that we truly okay. believe? Let me just go with this for a All second. Right, okay, I'm going. So this whole idea of sacred and secular Yes, there is in our head people that work inside of a church or people that work at a pregnancy center or people that work at, um, you know, a homeless shelter or something like that. So those things, you might look at them and go, that is sacred work. But the other side of that is, is okay, a grocery store, uh, you know, a uh, retail center at a mall, whatever it might be. We think of that as secular because it's not a church, but that's the only difference. Beyond that, the it's people, not a four walls church. The people right. that we rub elbows with 
all need to be ministered to, whether they're at the pregnancy center or in the grocery store line. So or in your neighborhood. So we do we do have a distinction, but that distinction isn't about what our work is and what our calling is in that. So I think that it's just important to kind of just be like, okay, yeah, there are different kinds of organizations, but we all have a calling in, and that is sacred. And it is so, desperately important that we recognize that the, that the na- set of natural gifts, talents, and abilities that you've been given have been given to you by God, not so that you can quit what you're really good at and go work inside of a four walls church or out there in the foreign mission field, but so that you can Put them into action right here where you work each and every day, whether you're a super talented insurance agent or a used car salesperson or a lineman or a nurse or a doctor, whatever it may be, that those gifts have been given to you by God. You know, there's a ton going on in the world of business as well, Martha, and growing businesses is a difficult thing. How do you do that for the glory of God? The Sermon on Sunday rarely deals with this aspect of life. So where do you go when you want to be mentored by those who call themselves entrepreneurs? Today, we're going to introduce the I Work Room listeners to the ministry of faith-driven entrepreneur. This may be for you or it may be for a friend, but this ministry is powerful and it's a fantastic site for equipping all Christ followers just to understand their, their calling to business, but also for those of you that own their own business or run their own business to do so to the glory of God. Please welcome Henry Kastner to I Work For Him. Welcome Henry Kastner to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you. I'm sorry to be running late this morning, but it's wonderful to be online with you. Well, we're glad. Yeah, calling in from California uh, all the way over to, to uh, Tampa Bay to broadcast out all over the country. We understand that that three-hour time frame, you probably just got out of bed. I mean, it's halfway through. The, okay. All right. Henry, I want to jump into this. How in the world did you get so passionate about helping people allow their faith to shape their work? Yeah. Well, you know, and part of it is with the, with almost anybody's story. It comes out of personal experience. And for me, and in particular, it came from a from my experience as an entrepreneur. I felt called uh, to start a business and enjoyed it. Felt alive when I was doing work. And as time went by, I came to understand that there needed to be a greater purpose to my work than just competing, and winning, and making a lot of money. And so that uh, that pursuit or that knowledge, I should say really led me to think more broadly beyond the business I was running to what are some of the struggles and the challenges that other people are wrestling with and how might I help them? You know, Henry, a a listener emailed us when she knew you were coming on today and she asked, you know, I'm a woman who loves business and I run my own business. However, I'm having a hard time finding any ministry that wants to feed into me with my unique needs as a woman. Do you know of any ministries designed for me, the Christian woman entrepreneur? Can faith-driven entrepreneur help a woman entrepreneur as well? Well, I'd like to think so. I think we've got some contributors on the site on faith-driven entrepreneur that are that are women that have been successful entrepreneurs and then also struggling entrepreneurs. I think that uh, women are uniquely qualified to be entrepreneurs, and yet they also have some unique and challenging needs in balancing uh, things like motherhood and, and some of the other things that might otherwise um, compete for their time. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there are some entrepreneurial organizations. Uh, I think one is called Forward mm-hmm. uh, that are national focus on female entrepreneurs. And um, and if you do if you do a, uh, a search on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur site, you'll find some content from some great female authors. And yet, maybe also your listener might find out that we don't have enough, and they have find out some other folks 
that they could recommend in uh, that might also speak to that to that uh, audience, which is half of America. That's right. a, that's exactly right. So, Henry, um, I'm glad you brought up your website because I just want to, in the last 30 seconds or so, um, have you tell people what they would find when they go to faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. Faithdrivenentrepreneur exists to be able to equip and empower uh, and encourage uh, and stay just short of commissioning the world website and the ministry, but uh, uh, encouraging the faith-driven entrepreneur for their journey, understanding that. Uh, we are often confronted with loneliness, um, and we're off on a journey. And so just like the image of being out in the Wild West and going to a general store and picking up the, the provisions that you have, uh, you'll find that there's a daily blog, uh, and that's what I was just alluding to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find there's a weekly podcast where we interview some folks that are very thoughtful about the faith of an entrepreneur space. Right, right. And we've got a monthly newsletter that's kind of a highlight. So many entrepreneurs are busy bringing everything together and they, they can't tune in weekly but they want to see the highlights the best hit yeah. so we do that. when we come back lots more with Henry Kaser from faithdrivenentrepreneur.org also faithdriveninvestor.org and Sovereign's Capital we're talking today about I, I, Henry there's so many different ways I want to take the conversation I'm so excited that you've joined us today all the way from California here's the question does the Bible just a basic question does the Bible say anything about business yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, it's really interesting. When we do our podcast at the end, we always ask a guest, what is God's Word telling you right now, just recently? And as it turns out, you've got me in a week where I've been going through Ezekiel. I've been going through the prophets and Jeremiah Lamentations. And can be, as many of your listeners know, it can be kind of a long, hard slog. And yet, 27 and 28 in Ezekiel talk a bunch about trade. And uh, I, so, yes, the Bible, of course, talks about just about everything. Uh, and absolutely including business. And, of course, we know about the parable of the talents. Um, but we also know that the Bible talks about uh, about trade, and very eloquently, I think, in Ezekiel. And I think that the lesson in uh, Ezekiel 27 and 28 is really about uh, doing business the, uh, just for business's sake and doing great trade and making great deals with foreign nations and, and doing uh, business at, the, the, at its height. And yet without God at its center and, and for the purpose of glorifying God, it's destined for doom and destruction. Mm. So what kinds of things, um, like uh, obviously where you're reading right now and how it's relating to you, but where did the Bible, when you started to really you know, be wrestling with this yourself, um, was there any certain part that really pricked your heart? Yeah, actually, uh, it's a great question. Um, I'm an adult convert, uh, but at age 28, after I came to have a very active Christian faith that became the center of my life, I decided that I was going to make a commitment to spend every day in God's Word, which means, unfortunately, like too many of my commitments, means that I'm 98 or 99% on top of that. But uh, I've, through His grace, I've been pretty uh, consistent on it. And one of, the, uh, one of the passages in the Bible that I think has made the biggest impact in me and my spiritual life as a business owner is the story where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 5,000. And uh, and that has something to do, of course, with generosity, but I think it has a lot to do with business, too. And that is this realization I had after having come to faith and really thinking that, gosh, God needs me and my business to be able to advance his kingdom. To come to understand that actually God could take something out of nothing and feed 5,000. So he actually doesn't need me to do his work. 
but that I have an opportunity to participate nonetheless in the work that he's doing. But it's not reliant on me. And that took the pressure off of me and a need <laughs> right. focus uh, to allow me to just be that much, uh, that much more grateful for the gift that's been given me. And it really freed me up to do much better work. You know, Henry, what, what I find puzzling, though, is that so many within the body of Christ don't understand that the Bible talks so much about business. And yet, in my, well, let's just share your opinion. You're the expert in there. As we talk about the faith-driven entrepreneur, we got Henry Kaysen around the line today with us, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. So many resources out there for you and for your friends who are running businesses or running organizations. Just the whole idea of somebody's a visionary and they've always wanted to run a business. This is a great way to get started to understand how to put your faith at the forefront. Henry, what, what, what was God's idea behind business? Because I believe that there was a big idea behind yeah. business. Well, that's a hmm. great question. And I'm not a theologian, but I care about this subject very much. And so I'll give you my answer. And that is that I think that God wants us to participate in bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And really a restoration of the Garden of Eden. And that when we can do that, when we can look and see what's wrong in the world, where the real opportunities are, and where things might be that much closer to a restoration of the garden, I think that business plays a role in that. I think that we're going to find that in the New Jerusalem, that people are going to have a job, that they're going to be doing a function. And I think that, you know, we know that work came about before the fall, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that work is incredibly important. And we also know from experience, our own experience, that when we work, we can feel God's pleasure. And that's a part of his uh, His plan, I think, of helping us to know him and enjoy him more fully. I think it's a part of his plan in using us to, to restore the, the garden. I think that's the big idea. So what are the marks of a faith-driven entrepreneur? I mean, what does well, it look like? Have, yeah, yeah, great question. So we have, we have five that we put up on the website. Uh, and in the process of, of thinking about expanding a little bit, and I'll, and I'll tell you about that here in a second, but <laughs> the five that we have seen is kind of unifying principles for a faith driven entrepreneur uh, are as follows. Number one, leaders transform. Uh, where a leader can come to understand the value of the gift given them, and their hearts are transformed in a way that is winsome and real, and where their identity becomes as this beloved child of God, rather than as this entrepreneur growing at 20% month over month. When they can really understand this concept of identity and the value of the gift given them, then they're transformed. Uh, second one is excellence. Uh, the world is looking at us, trying to understand whether Christ followers can actually be good at what we do or not. Hmm. And I think that uh, that's really best summed up in the work of, a, of an American Swiss theologian named Francis Schaeffer. And I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but I, I think that you'll get the point. And that is, he says that it's the degree that we do our work well that we have an opportunity to witness and be heard. And I think that's super important. If we're going to be doing something, let's do it with excellence. Uh, number three, stewardship versus ownership. Uh, we as business owners are in, around money all the time. And money can really corrupt us. We know that the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. wait. It, that's yeah. not right. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but not all evil. <laughs> oh, that's okay. No, the, I betrayed the fact that I'm not a theologian. But so we know, <laughs> you were though, just proving that, right? <laughs> right. That's right. We know that money is uh, potentially a challenge. When we can come to understand this concept of ownership, that God owns all things, yeah. Then it frees us up to worship. It frees us up to work well. It frees us up to really lean into this concept of being a steward. 
a steward of all the things that God has given us. Uh, the third thing uh, that is really important for us is ministry indeed. How is it that we're able to be able to love on our partners, our vendors, our customers, and our employees in a way that is better than those that are also in our industry? Um, when we do those four things well, so just really quickly again, leaders transform, excellence, stewardship versus ownership, ministry indeed, then yes, it gives us a great opportunity to be involved in ministry and word. And that is to bear witness for the reason, for the hope we have, and to do it with gentleness and respect. And I think that we have, as we talk about why we do what we do, as we talk about our own personal story, as we look for opportunities to pray with our employees uh, that are going through crisis, as we look to offer things like chaplaincy, we have a great opportunity to bear witness in, uh, in word uh, well, as well as you. Mm-hmm. And, and really what you just stated there, Henry, those principles can apply to the, to the faith-driven entrepreneur, but also to the faith-driven anything. So somebody that's a faith-driven sure. nurse or a faith-driven doctor or a faith-driven uh, tactician or a faith-driven logistic, uh, logistics person or, or whatever, a faith-driven yep. employee at McDonald's or Chick-fil-A where they serve Jesus chicken, because really the... the People are leaders that they have influence over one person, and that whole idea that they could transform is such a it's such a by changing the way they think, like Romans twelve two. I mean, th- these principles, transformation and excellence, and understanding stewardship versus ownership that helps every Jesus follower. And the ministry, indeed, serving others so that you get an opportunity to do ministry in word. Those are principles that really span all workplaces, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, I mentioned before that there are two other ones that we're, we're thinking about, because we've had these five marks now as part of Bandwidth, which is the company that I ran before and then for Sovereign Capital, so collectively about 20 years. Uh, but two other ones that we're thinking about adding is one is culture making. Faith-driven entrepreneurs are uniquely equipped to be culture makers, mm. leaning into the image of God and not just consumers of culture, but creating culture. What's the type of culture that God would want us to create? So. That's something I think that a faith-driven entrepreneur can wrestle with. And and, and to your point, I think all Christ followers can. Uh, And the last one uh, that we've seen more and more is the need for faith-driven entrepreneurs to have real and authentic relationships with their peers, uh, to seek out mentors above them, to seek out peers that they can be very real with, uh, and then to seek those that they might also mentor. I think that that's a mark of a faith-driven entrepreneur that's fully alive as well. So those are some other things that we're thinking about. You mean the fact that everybody needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in their life? That kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. You know, I love having these kinds of conversations, Jim, because just once again, we just get to hear how God is stirring in the hearts of people. And um, and Henry's been positioned for such a, a place of, of influence over other people because he can speak from this. And so um, I love that no matter what you you mentioned, several different organizations and businesses you've been a part of. And these have kind of followed with you, Henry, because you, you get that they are um, critical elements Yes, yes, indeed, and, and it's been a great, uh, it's just been a great experience for us to be able to, through the ministry, to be able to hear so many great stories of people that are wrestling with these things, people who have had some victories along the way, and um, it's just a, 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 I love my job. <laughs> what do you find is the biggest disconnect for people who call themselves Christians and also call themselves entrepreneurs? What do you, what do you say is the biggest disconnect you find as you guys are out there on faithdrivenentrepreneur.org? Uh, you know, I think the biggest disconnect comes uh, and is betrayed through ambition and goals and motives. 
Uh, I think that uh, all too often people will go to church on Sunday and maybe small group on Wednesday, but just to see a disconnect with their work and their calling with um, with their faith. And, I, and uh, so that's a challenge. I think that uh, the other disconnect I see is uh, too often times faith of entrepreneurs are, can be characterized like secular entrepreneurs and having uh, large amounts of anxiety. And anxiety is, uh, is, a, is something, of course, that betrays us and something that we're afraid of. And you now, when we're anxious because of our work performance or we're anxious because of uh, just any of the normal stresses that, that a faith-driven entrepreneur will be well accustomed to, when we're anxious, we really have a, um, a muted ability to be an effective witness. And that's a big disconnect. And that's a disconnect I feel in my own life. I feel so- when I feel anxiety and I, uh, about uh, something that's going on, I'll give you an example. Uh, at Bandwidth. Bandwidth is a telecommunications company, and we provide network services for some of the largest technology companies in the world. Uh, when uh, we, when an employee comes in and starts at Bandwidth, they come to understand the Bandwidth story and how much of faith played into that. Right. But the, t- the times for effective witness really come from when the red phone rings because our network is down and one of our large customers is calling up. For David, who's the CEO and my best friend and business partner at Bandwidth, for him to respond to that with urgency because the situation crawls. Right. That's where it's powerful. Henry Kaysener, you've got this passion for helping Christ followers to live out their faith as they run businesses. And you mentioned in the last segment that you were talking about, here's what it looks like at bandwidth when the when the bat phone goes off. Talk, talk about that again. I interrupted in the middle of the story. It was a good story, but yeah, I ran out of time. Well, we're talking a little bit about the fact, that, and just really working on that fifth month about ministry and word, about being able to bear witness for the reason, for the hope we have. And, you know, we, uh, we've talked, uh, people understand that the foundational values at Danwith are faith, family, work, and fitness in that order. Uh, and we can talk about our faith story as we started up, but I'll tell you that the time that, that, uh, that David, who's the CEO of Bandwidth, can make the most effective witness is a time when, um, there's a real challenge at work. And when people see, and I was talking about the fact that when our network is slow, that means the networks of a lot of very large technology companies is also slow. So the bad phone rings. David's able to respond to that situation with urgency because the situation calls for it, but without anxiety because his identity is firmly rooted in the fact that there's a God who loves him and that he's his beloved child. And that's a theological concept, but it's something that's so important Interestingly, when David is able, and David's not perfect at this, and, and none of our listeners are perfect at this, but to the extent that you can capture that, that's the time when people say, I want what that guy's got. What is his worldview? How is he able to re- respond to that situation with such calm resolve? And then people come to understand, well, it's because it's, you know, he's got this active faith. And, uh, and that's super important. Mm. Good word. So, you know, people are watching and they're wondering where that sense comes from, that sense of whether it's peace, calm, um, security, um, you know, whatever that might be. And being ready to give a testimony to that is a huge thing in the workplace and the people we're working around. So, Henry, you have just gotten back from a um, out of country trip. Tell us about that and and why. Why were you gone and what were you doing there? Well, I had a special blessing and opportunity to take my family to Africa for a couple of weeks, and I was excited to be able to serve with them. Uh, I love 
uh, being able to do that. I know that, uh, that many of your listeners have been on mission trips and understand that when you get a chance to serve in schools and orphanages and places like that, that their faith really comes alive, and that's a really wonderful treat and privilege and blessing if you get a chance to do it. And we get, did get that chance to do that as a family. But we also did uh, some faith-driven entrepreneur events, one in Kigali, Rwanda, and then mm. two in Nairobi, Kenya. And it is just a great thrill for me to be in a foreign country. We did the same thing in India over spring break and got to do faith-driven entrepreneurship events in Chennai and in Mumbai. And to bring together the body of Christ, all people that are committed to to God and to running their businesses according to God, even though they haven't figured out how to do that perfectly, because none of us have, but to come together in community. And, and interestingly, and this is both sad and promising, um, uh, those events are largely characterized by people saying, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only person mm. who really was focused on creating this business and doing it for the glory of God. I had no idea that there's another 110 people as there were in Nairobi that are all focused on that. And there's something powerful about coming together in community and praying for one another and talking about the challenges we have with, gosh, how do I, how do I let somebody go well in a way that, that honors God and bears witness to my faith? And yet this is somebody I've got to move on because I want to, I want to be excellent with what I do. And how do I think about capitalization? How do I think about being unequally yoked with a partner? How do I think about any host of issues to be able to do that in community? I think is super important. So, uh, we love the international aspect of what we do. We try to make sure that faith of entrepreneurs is not just a North American thing, although if you go to the site, it'll possibly feel that way. But we have uh, listeners on the podcast from 90 different countries, and we love that. And it's mm-hmm. the body of Christ coming together, and that's one of the most exhilarating parts of my job. I love that you just brought up the fact that as Christ followers out there in their work, whether they're an entrepreneur or not, there are so many that think, well, I'm, I'm alone. Nobody else is really thinking about living out their faith as they run their business, as they run their organization, as they, as they serve being a janitor, as they serve being a CEO. There's so much apparent loneliness, but it's really not necessary. I mean, I'm amazed at how often I ask people, I say, well, are there any other Christians in your organization? They're like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, how is it you don't know? Uh, but that's, uh, th- I love the fact that that's not just common right here in the U.S. You're, you're finding it all over, the, all over the world. Well, no, that's absolutely the case. And I love that you've got this radio program that's addressed that, that's, that's focused on that. But I hope also that those listeners uh, that are listening to this right now might challenge their pastors and just go to their pastors and say, listen, would you mind just making an announcement just like, you know, that, that business owners and entrepreneurs are getting together on Thursday just for a prayer group, or people in the workplace that are trying to understand how can they bear effective witness at work are going to get together Wednesday at Panera. I mean, fill in the blanks. and not meant to be a Panera commercial. So Panera another, free, <laughs> another free plug right here, and I work for him. Hey, we're talking That's with Henry right. Kaster today right here from faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And as long as Henry was plugging, you know, that place where you can go get great Mountain Dew on tap and meet other people, I figured I might as well tell you who you're talking to. That's right. So, Henry, there is another element of what's going on in your world right now, and that is the faith-driven investor. Um, Tell us about that. Where did that come from, and and who? um, what is the purpose behind it? Well, uh, great question. Faith-driven investor uh, comes from my day job. My day job is... and we've had this great team that's running faith-driven entrepreneur and faith-driven investor, but I'm an investor myself. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, together with some partners, an investment fund that invests in Christian-led businesses across the U.S. and Southeast Asia, and it's a great joy of mine to do that. 
Uh, with time, we came to understand that as, as cool as what we do at Sovereign's Capital, uh, that private equity, which is the space we're in, is a difficult place for many people to get involved with. And so that there's uh, are other asset classes, other ways that a Christian might be thoughtful about starting their investment capital, and not just necessarily in mutual funds that screen out bad things, which are very important, by the way. It's amazing how many of the mutual funds that we might otherwise buy invest mm-hmm. in companies that make bad products. Uh, and, and, you know, what is it, or endorse bad there. things, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So knowing what we invest in is really important. But, uh, but too often times, I think the Christ followers are known for what we're against. And so what we want to do is to provide at least equal billing for what we are for, uh, to be able to give exposure to things like real estate funds that involve chaplaincy. There are a number of them across the country where people are very thoughtful about putting investment assets together in real estate and also loving on the people that are in their communities. So that's something You mean like apartment life? You mean like apartment life? exactly right. Absolutely. So Pete Kelly was the first interview we did on the Faith Driven Investor podcast, and he gave a great overview of the work that they do. It's an amazing story. Maybe many of your listeners know that. But then also we've had interviews with uh, Trey Stevens, who's at Founders Fund, Peter Thiel's money, uh, and talking about being a, uh, Christ, a Christian and, and a contrarian and thinking about God's abundance economy. And Frank Chen from Andreessen Horowitz talking about artificial intelligence and investing. And so uh, too oftentimes I think that Christians are, don't understand how they might steward investment capital uh, for God's glory. And so we wanted to have a site that was focused on just that. So you're saying that this is so this is for people that are in that industry or who are you really hoping um, to help? Great question. So it's meant to be all of the above. It's meant to be an encouragement for fund managers, people who are in the space. They might not know how their faith informs how they are as a mutual fund manager or a private equity investor. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's very much for investors to be able to introduce funds and concepts to them where they might, again, steward their investment capital that uh, participates in the work that God is doing while they make money. Uh, and it's for just anybody affiliated with that broader industry. Now, it's, I should also mention, it's a beta site. It's brand new. So any of your listeners will go in and you'll see that there's much that needs to be developed on it. It's just about two weeks old and it's just been released as a beta site. But we have launched the podcast and the newsletter. We had our first conference couple of weeks ago in Utah, right before I went to Africa and had 175 fund managers and, and larger investors getting together and talking about what does this space look like, what might Excellent. happen, what's needed. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the latest. Well, this is an opportunity for Christ followers to put the assets that the Lord has given them into action, into solving societal issues, which is what business does, and making money on it, making a return on investment. I mean, it's it's a matter of, I don't know the specific people you're reaching out to, but I mean, God gives us investments, just like you, you talked about the parable of the talents. God gives us money and he expects us to invest it well, but too often Christ followers get trapped into investing in a standard mutual fund that endorses the things that we talk against all day long. That's right. That's exactly right. Awesome. And that can be, and, and to be clear, it's across all asset classes, and it's real right. and it's private debt and public debt. And then a lot of us uh, come across angel investment opportunities, investing in, bringing it back to faith-driven entrepreneur. Many right. of us have opportunities to invest in the faith-driven entrepreneurs that we know in our community. Right. How do we do that well? Right. Henry Kastner with faithdriveneentrepreneur.org, faithdriveninvestor.org, 
We're so grateful that you shared some time with us today and shared a little bit of your story. And we just encourage all of you to go out there, check out faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. Thank you, Henry Kaser, for being on the show today. Jim and Martha, thank you. Great blessings for me. So make sure you check them out online. And just remember that the points that they bring up on Faith Driven Entrepreneur apply to every workplace. I love it. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. him.